Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody we are live for the first time this decade and for the first time in 2020 welcome to underground studios for episode number 198 of underground sports philadelphia kyle bennett matt castarina as always show brought to you by main auto llc ducharms pro foot security 21 wainwright bernhardt funeral home paul j gillespie incorporated Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Matt, I saw you about seven hours ago. What's going on, man? How's your 2020 so far? Uh, good. Uh, can't complain too much. It's been a, I took a, took a healthy nap today, which was great after I worked, so can't complain. And uh, one thing we can't complain about is the support and success that we had in the year of 2019. Uh, obviously, 2018 being our first year, we had no, no idea what to expect uh, from this show. And somehow, a little over 9,000 of you listened to our shows in 2018. Well, Matt, the final numbers came in, and uh, the listeners blew 2018 out of the water as we finished 2019 with... 45,600 plays on all of our shows we did. Absolutely absurd. Couldn't be done without you, so thank you guys for hopping on this train and uh, making this what it has become over the past two years. And uh, we have, obviously, our two-year anniversary coming up, which Matt and I are going to be celebrating in style uh, as we go watch the Sixers play the Grizzlies at the Wells Fargo Center. But we have a lot planned for our two-year anniversary, so that's why you should be following us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. And speaking of the Sixers, Elton's getting the trade rumors swirling and whirling on day one of 2020, as uh, just about two hours ago, Woj dropped the bomb saying that, I believe it was the Bucks, the Celtics, and our 76ers. The Heat as well. And the apparently. Heat are showing interest in one C.J. McCollum. I don't know how I feel about that, but it is very interesting, especially since CJ is, you know, a shooter. Yeah, it's um, certainly someone that the type of player that people are kind of crying out for for the Sixers team. I think the biggest question is is exactly how do you get a deal like that done? Um, Sixers don't really have a ton of assets. I don't really see them making this type of play. Um, Woj reports it though, so you have to believe that there's there's at least some truth to all this. Um, but I uh, I just can't see the Sixers making a move. I, I don't think they I don't think we really even have anyone the the Trailblazers would be interested in. And you know it'd also be difficult with contract situations for both of us um, just to to make it work financially. So I uh, I don't see us pulling the trigger on CJ McCollum. But it, it is of interest to us because if he does end up going to someone like the Celtics or the Heat. Um, that would be uh, uh, obviously a, a big addition for them, um, the Bucks as well. So, yeah, but I think it's a similar question for all of them. In that, does do they have the assets, and does CJ McCollum really move the needle for them? And I, I think that's a pretty big question mark. And um, yeah, I think uh, we'll, we'll kind of have to wait this out. It, it's interesting though, you know, because the the Trailblazers are in a, a weird position where they haven't been quite a good team this year and we've known for the past few seasons that there's always been this rumor of blowing up you know CJ and and Dame and um you know moving forward and and trying to to try something new and maybe they'll try and do that this season but I uh I just don't see how the Sixers get a deal like this done yeah it's not logistical for it to happen but obviously people are clamoring now to uh trade one Al Horford away because 
just hasn't been great. And obviously, the uh, the report from NBC Sports Boston came out saying that uh, he hasn't been able to get into a groove, and you know his role isn't exactly what he thought it was going to be. And then you go look at Horford's numbers, and they are well below you know his his average for his career and everything. And then Embiid doesn't play New Year's Eve against the Pacers, and we'll get into that game as well. And Horford just doesn't show up whatsoever. Yeah, it's um, it's been a weird year for Horford. He he has obviously been uh, below average, which a little bit to be expected because um, you know he he did have a different role with Boston and he was kind of a, a big creative big man. Where on this team, you know, everyone's gonna kind of have to share maybe a little more than they'd like to and, and have a reduced role in terms of production. But yeah, he he certainly hasn't. I I don't think um you know, blossomed with this team. I'm also not sure that anyone really expected him to, though. That's, that's again, what's confusing me with everything about this Sixers team and kind of the maelstrom that everyone's been going on about Twitter with, with, with the Sixers is that I don't know what everyone expected. Um, I don't know why anyone expected Al Horford to be this amazing player. He's never been, like, the greatest player on, on the planet. He's always been a smart player. He's always been good at uh, certain matchups, and we, we've seen that, you know, firsthand what he's been able to do to someone like Joel and even Ben. Um, but he's never been, like, a super dominant player. But he's certainly, you know, even if you're not, it, it is disappointing, the performance he put up against Indiana. And, you know, if he is uh, unsure, if he, even unhappy with his role, you have to as a veteran when, you know, your number is called essentially to sort of carry more of that burden, pick up that slack against Indiana, and and he didn't. Um, so yeah, that it is a little bit concerning just his his performances this year, and also that you know this isn't like a, a short term thing with him. We, we we have him locked down and for a lot of money. So to uh, to ha- to to have a guy that's already maybe not um not at his best, and, and we talked about this I think a few weeks ago that you never quite know when a player's kind of about to fall off the cliff. And you do kind of worry with Horford that uh, that might be closer than you want it to be. It's eerily reminding me of, well now, five years ago, uh, DeMarco Murray leaving the Cowboys and coming to the Eagles. And it was one of those things where Chip Kelly had just traded away, obviously, LaShawn McCoy. And the Eagles were without a running back. They signed Ryan Matthews to you know come in and be the, the primary runner. And then... They were like, oh, we need to make a splash because we just traded away, you know, a franchise face. And not that, you know, Jimmy Butler was a franchise face or anything, but he was the type of player in terms of his skill set that this team, you could say, is lacking from, you know, his shooting perspective side of things. And then they were like, oh, let's just go get DeMarco Murray and we'll have, you know, a two-headed monster with running backs, just like the Sixers are trying to have a two-headed monster and, you know, preserve Joel Embiid and everything. But yesterday in that Sixers game, it was over before it even started. You know, they announced Joel Embiid didn't, was not going to play, and the Sixers just didn't show up. They got absolutely embarrassed in Indiana, and you don't want to see that happen against uh, a playoff contender. Like we said on our last show, the Sixers have to take advantage of Indiana right now while they are without Victor Oladipo, and to get embarrassed like that was a bit of a concern to me. Yeah, and you know, it I will say it's it's really the first big defeat we've had this year. Um and you know, for that to come without Embiid too, I think makes a little bit of sense. Um you know, again, I think everyone's kind of forgotten Thibault's still out. Uh that that certainly doesn't help us, but there there is really no excuse to you know, you you go away to Indiana and you lose whatever, but I think yeah, that that it wasn't competitive at all, I think is is the larger issue and it does Come on the back of of you know that Brett uh, you know like post game conference where he's talking about yeah I'm not even gonna like say you know well done for that comeback late against the Magic because we shouldn't be in that position you know like it's 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 shallow it, it, it's false praise to to do that and um, you'd hope that there would be some kind of comeback from that and that you would see a, a better more concerted effort I think you saw that against Miami you know like that was you know obviously a close affair but yet yeah, to to lay a stinker like uh, like you do against the Pacers is is not good, and um, I don't know. You know that's that's a big question mark because uh, you, you need to rebound from games like that. And and one thing I thought this team had going for it was this kind of mental strength, and I think a, a good uh, environment. And I think Brett has always fostered a good environment, but um, 
you know, if if you can't get te- your team to rebound and, and and focus, you know, after after some losses, I that is that is slightly concerning. And um, you know, I, I don't think it's alarm bell time, but you know, you, you'd like this to turn around a little quicker than than it's looking like it's going to. Yeah, and you know, you look at the the numbers. The Sixers shot under twenty one percent from three, uh, so not a great shooting night there. And then just from the field alone, thirty seven of ninety one. Uh, the interesting thing post game, though, I think came from uh, I, somebody that we want to get on this show because he's one of hashtag our guys that we are very on board with, and that's Josh Richardson. And uh, this is coming from Keith Pompey. Uh, Jay Rich said, "I don't think that there's enough accountability in our locker room right now. Honestly, I think that we got some new guys who don't want to step on toes, including myself." I feel like we kind of go play and don't compete as much. And then Keith followed that up with, uh, there's been games that we have, and it's been great, but when it's not going good, we got to hold each other accountable. I think that's where a lot of our problems start. For that to come from a guy who is in his first season here and he's recognizing that, that was kind of my first real alarm for this team. Yeah, it's... You know, it's not great to hear, but at the same time, it's almost like those are almost filler words to me. Like that doesn't that doesn't really point to anything like very serious. Like those just seem kind of like cliches that that players will say about teams. Like, all right, you know, we need to you know we need to step up. Everyone needs to to play better. You know, like and you know we need to be more vocal and call each other out. And yeah, maybe this team just needs a good like vent session. You know, you've seen this before with like. Uh, like player meetings and stuff where everyone kind of gathers up and, and has a, a conversation, whatever it is. Um, I think, you know, the the question mark is, is who kind of spearheads that? You know, because, you know, if what he's saying is true and that some of the newer guys maybe don't want to step on toes, is Horford part of that? Because Horford, you'd expect would be kind of a, a veteran leader on this team. But, you know, if he's not willing to kind of put himself out there, you know, I love Embiid. Do you see Embiid like holding no. a players' meeting? Not really. That doesn't seem like his type of thing. He's like a lead by play kind of right. guy. Not necessarily. Not to say he has no leadership skills, but he doesn't strike He's me as the, the type of guy leader. that would call a meeting. Like Ben doesn't really seem like that. I would see it more from Ben than Joel, though. Yeah, but uh, even then, Ben. I don't know. They, that just doesn't strike me as his type of personality. Um, not that Ben would have an issue mm-hmm. with some kind of players. Me, I just you know, I, you wonder where that kind of push would come from, and that's is it worrying. a Tobias thing? Cause Could be a Tobias be, thing. You know, the the guys that are here, whether it's Matisse and you know, there's other bench players that talk about how they go to Tobias for different things on and off the court. We heard Matisse talk about he goes to Tobias for you know financial consulting and just on-court things to learn about the game and stuff. So I I would love to see that kind of leadership, you know, grow from Tobias, especially since he's a, he's a veteran in this league. He's been in the league a while now, but he's still relatively young too and can really resonate, I think, with a lot of these guys. And, hell, if you have to play good cop, bad cop, throw Mike Scott in there because I think, you know, as much as we, we love Mike and his goofy tendencies and stuff, I think he is somebody that could really light a fire under a lot of these guys and be like, yo, if we want to win – we have to get this thing back on track. And I think Mike Mike Scott has seen a lot in this league, whether it was with Atlanta, Washington, the Clippers, and now the Sixers, where he has that veteran experience too, like Tobias, to, to recognize what has to happen in order for a team to reach its peak. Yeah, and, um, you know, it, that this is also, I think, a, a, a growing pain of being a younger team and a team that's, again, in another iteration of... of <laughs> Of, you know, new, new, new guys on the starting five, and um, no, there's, there's no real consistency again with this team, and I, I think it's always, um, it feels like we're always kind of taking shape on the fly, and you know, we've talked quite a bit about too that we haven't seen the starting five together a lot this year. There's always been at least one guy, you know, getting rested or out hurt or whatever, and um, you know, I, I don't think that helps much either. So, yeah, and I think that the big like narrative about this team is the consistency and I'll say that consistency in play is important but I think again just consistency in terms of seeing guys play together more regularly is also really important you know we always know Embiid is going to rest you know every like fifth game right like typically but you know 
in between then we need everyone else healthy we need everyone else to, to be able to string some games together like we, we still have not seen the starting five to play nearly the amount of minutes that you'd expect uh, as you come into the new year like uh, that's that's just been not where we we needed to be and I, I don't think that helps much either and yeah you know Thibel being out these last few weeks hasn't helped the fact that the bench has been inconsistent hasn't really helped very much um you know we, we need kind of everyone to to step up and, and pull a little more weight just to be frank and you know, it, you're going to hit stretches like this throughout the season, and I think it's weird because almost exactly a, a, a week ago, we were all celebrating what was a great Bucks win and we felt really good about this team, and now it's like, oh, like, blow it, all, blow it all up. I think that just goes to show kind of the ebbs and flows of a, a regular season, and ultimately I still think this team is built well for the playoffs, and, and that's where we'll see what they're made of. Um, but, you know, there there's a component to this that you need good seating, and if you keep dropping out of this eastern race which isn't lightening up at least for the foreseeable future you know do you want to play miami uh you know in your first series no (laughs) and then have to play the winner of the the celtics and nets not particularly um you know like that's that's a a tough road that you're going to make for yourself you know make it as easy as you can when you get to may right but right now you know that there there does need to be some kind of directional change here and you know you have the rockets coming up not not an easy team to have to be going against but you know it would also be a big statement i think to go beat houston and and put yourself back on track and this team i will say you know the the indiana loss aside this team has always stepped up the challenges this year i I think they've always played really good teams very close very well um they've beaten a lot of great teams this year again it seems like we've all forgotten very quickly that this team has beaten all the all the top teams in the east already this year losing record they have is against the heat really and, and the two, magic and then the magic <laughs> we just hate south florida which to be fair and that's been for you know half a decade now that they just can't go down it's to also Orlando. like all of philly sports can't go yeah. to florida and win for whatever reason so i i don't know you know we we don't ha- we don't ever have good spring training phillies can never beat the marlins um you know eagles went down to miami and lost and i i guess you know the sixers can't get it done either um yeah it's just i don't know they you kind of just have to to deal with it, I guess, really, like, hey, the, you, I think for me, I have, like, hope that this team is going to turn it around, just because I, 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 I can't see them falling away, and in, in this, like, self-destructing, but, you know, you, you do have to be aware of that, I guess, that that's a possibility, but for me, you know, that this, all of this talk goes away if you beat Houston, like, you know, all of a sudden, then again, this team is great, and that's the one thing that I have found annoying about this season, is just, like, it is exhausting every, you know, like the the fan base just living and dying on every regular season game, and it's like Jesus, like I don't know how you're gonna make it through the playoffs, <laughs> like um, because the, the like, it just, I, I the NBA is not the NFL. A part a part of it really is like the Aaron Rodgers thing, like he just everyone just needs to relax. Like yes, like there there are legitimate concerns. That's not to say that you know. There's, there's nothing to any of this and that, oh, you know, like, don't worry, it's all going to be fine. Like, you can, there's certainly criticism to be had of this team, but people have a real tendency to go overboard to the extreme. Um, and I, I think everyone everyone could do with just a little perspective and to just calm down. And, and, and this team is still a great team. There's no reason to get, like, really antsy here. We've tanked for half a decade to get here. We're, like, we're not blowing it up. We're not. We're, I'm really not in the mood to entertain trades right now. I just don't think it's a real possibility. Um, we're we're riding the season out. We'll pick someone up off waivers, and it's all going to be fine. And again, the same people that are putting in these weird trade machine things were like, Stop. we're licking their lips, literally a week ago when we <clears throat> absolutely handled the Bucks on Christmas Day. Relax, everybody, everyone, just calm down. Take it's it's breath. all going to be okay. I promise. And at, at the end of the day. As much as I love the Sixers, you, this does not have to be the end of your life if the Sixers aren't a great team, right? Like, this is, this does not define you as a person, okay? Like, you don't need to take it so personally. It's it's okay. It's just, at the end of the day, it's, it's just, it's it's just, just basketball. basketball. It's okay. Uh, Keith Pompey did follow up with more from Josh Richardson where he said, going forward, we got to talk to some people about it and we got to do it. Um, we talk about playing hard every day. We talk about, you know, we break the huddle down with Chip every day. And we got a long way to go before we actually start competing for that. 
and I think our locker room has some growing to do, which we've Fair. said, you know, since this team was kind of assembled, that it was going to take some time for this team to, you know, find chemistry on and off the court, and it makes sense. But I do want to commend Josh Richardson for actually, like, vocalizing something about it and just letting it be known that, like, yeah, we have a long way to go, but we're working on it. And I think that is, you know, something where he said, there are new guys that don't want to step on toes. He's he's making it known that, you know, this team needs, you know, a little a little fire lit under them to just find some consistency and, you know, be the team that we all know they have the ability to be. Yeah, shout out to Tobias <clears throat> Harris. Uh, no more paper straws, 2020. Can't agree more. Paper straws suck. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's great. Yeah, everyone, everyone just buy a metal straw. Paper straws are terrible. I, yeah. I don't. I, I listen. I'm all for saving the environment. Whatever we got to do, make it happen. But um, I can't foresee paper straws being a part of that future. I just can't leave. Leave paper straws in 2019. I would just go buy a metal straw for like a dollar, and just hard. just reuse it. Reuse it. It's a one time buy. Yeah. Uh, um. Or get those they they make those lids now. Yeah, that, like the dome lids. If if you're gonna you know go that route, but Jesus, Sixers though they get the Rockets and then they play the West Coast team that is similar to the Magic that they just can't beat in the Thunder before they play Boston again. I agree with you that I think this Rockets game they're gonna get up for it. They're gonna you know they have something to prove. Not only to themselves, but I think they want to prove the fan base and kind of quiet them a little bit with all this nonsense post-Christmas. Um, the interesting thing will be, though, is this, I believe, is the first time they're facing the Rockets uh, with the Russell Westbrook-James Harden duo. And we all know that we don't have those those type of shooters to you know go back and forth with them, but... It'll be interesting to see how they kind of defend against those two guys that we know can, you know, just score the ball at will. Yeah, I mean, last year they had a, a really good kind of blueprint for, for Arden and, um, you know, ended up having a – Embiid had that insane block against it. That was a really memorable game last year that kind of sparked – The Corey Brewer game. Yeah, the Corey Brewer game. Um, yeah, so, you know, you, you hope to see a little bit of that. And it, it is your first crack at a kind of a new-look team. And they're – Rockets are a good team as well. They're kind of around the same level the Sixers are. We're, you know, not quite amazing blow-your-doors-off regular season team, but, you know, you know come playoff time this is a team that's going to be a real threat because they have that really top-level talent. They have a clear identity, a clear plan. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, th- I think you – listen, like I said, you go through in these next few games and you, you go uh, especially above 500, but you even win, you know, 3-4 straight here, and all this talk, all this talk goes away. And it is just purely a just symptom of the team in a little bit of a slump right now. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's just, you know, I, I, I've said my piece. You know, we, we go in, we get the job done. And if we don't, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> like, it, it, this, this team, I think, is still great. I, I still think this team could win a championship as a sixth seed. Like, I just, I still think they're that good. I still think they're built for the playoffs. For me, I've said it all along that... I take more value in in this team beating like the top you know seeded teams in the East and and what that shows for what this team can do in April and May and hopefully June than any other kind of loss just just for me. Yeah, a thousand percent. And you know, this this team has uh, a very interesting month of January since it is January one as we record this. Obviously, they're at Houston on the third. Then they get the the two game homestand against Oklahoma City and the Celtics before they go to Dallas to take on the Mavericks with Luka this time more than likely and then they go back to Indiana they take on the Nets and the Bulls at home then they get a three game Eastern Conference road trip at the Knicks at the Nets and then back up to Toronto where hopefully Embiid scores some points this time and then you get that uh that marquee matchup against LeBron and the Lakers at the Wells Fargo Center and then you take on the Warriors, and then you go down to Atlanta to take on the Hawks on the 30th of January. This is a very winnable month, in my opinion. You look at, obviously, you have the matchups against the Eastern Conference with, you know, Boston, Indiana. Uh, you get the Nets twice, a bad Knicks team, and then you get the Raptors. And then Dallas and, and the Lakers are really the, the two teams outside of the Rockets, you know, later on in the schedule that could be grouped in there, but... 
this month seems very winnable to me, and this Sixers team should be able to take advantage of a lot of the opportunities with these games in front of them, especially with the the lack of really outside of one one time. There's no back-to-backs this month. Yeah, and, and that's good to eat a little bit of that extra rest. You expect Embiid to probably play a little more games um, than he's been able to this year because, um, yeah, you know he's pretty much always on a back-to-back and at least get rested one of those nights. So, yeah, you'll see a little more of him, hopefully. Everyone else stays healthy. Listen, you get in a little bit of rhythm. Before you know it, we're going to be in February, and you're going to start talking about guys you can add at the, the, the deadline and um, – you know all those things and and you get in that like post all-star break where this team historically has been very good post all-star break they've always kind of put it together late in the season um you know hopefully we don't have any big roster altering moves to to kind of have to to reshuffle again like we did last year but yeah i think this team is in a still a really good position the east is so tight that you know if you go on a good streak here especially with some of these games in this month coming against some of the other top teams you can be right back, right back at you know the two three seed within a month. You know, like it's it's totally doable, and you expect some of these other teams to to start to fall off at least a little bit. That they'll slump to at some point. You know, not everyone's gonna go like eight and two in their last ten for the rest of the way here. Like we're not gonna have you know four sixty win teams in the East most likely. Um, you know, so it, you know again, it's I think it's all about perspective. Just scrolling the Twitter timeline, and it seems like the uh, the CJ rumor was false. Oh, wow! Because um, we did a little uh, investigative reporting, and Kyle Newbeck from Philly Voice uh, put out a tweet and said, "What seems more likely? The biggest NBA reporter on the planet dropped a significant trade rumor in the middle of the Rose Bowl, which is being simulcast across multiple ESPN networks, but there's no evidence of the report. Ninety minutes later, or." People fell for a made-up tweet. Hmm. 2020, and people still trying to catfish us. Wow. Hate to see it, um, but still very interesting. You know, just the the idea of C.J. McCollum. That won't happen, but it's interesting to think about. Uh, also, NBA news, former uh, NBA commissioner David Stern has passed away. Um, obviously did a lot for the league. And uh, it's unfortunate. You know, he had a brain hemorrhage that uh, eventually led to him passing. So RIP to uh, to David Stern. And uh, it's it's just unfortunate that we have to kick off the new year with uh, some unfortunate news. Yeah, um, definitely someone that made the game kind of the international powerhouse it is today. Uh, did a lot to make sure that the NBA grew and had stars. I think we owe a lot to how the league is set up now to, to David Sturm kind of laying those foundations and making sure that this, you know, people kind of forget that uh, this league was not in a great position, even, you know, in the early 2000s. And this, the the NBA kind of had an image issue. And he did some controversial things in this time. You know, some of the, the uniform and, like, dress code stuff I know, people, you know, people still don't uh, think of as positively. And I think there's, there's merit to that. But he did do and I think had to manage through lots of different change I think did that very well and you look at all the other major sports I think the NBA have have done that the best in terms of adapting to you know a new age and a new era and letting your stars be stars and letting them be you know the the faces of your league you know no other league does it like the NBA has and I think you owe a lot of that to David Stern so very thankful for him and obviously very sad to hear um, he passed away for sure and uh, moving right along but before we get to the birds rematch with the Seahawks. Make sure you guys go check out our friends at Design Tree. That's D S G N Tree dot com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia and uh, go get your merch. We got playoff merch. High season is back. The dog mask with the ski mask uh, iteration to uh, you know rocket at the link this Sunday. And we've got the on the road to victory shirt as well as a bunch of Sixers, Flyers, and Phillies merch. So. DSGNTree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia, and I believe the promo code HOLIDAYS is still in effect, which saves you 20% off at checkout. Or you can use promo code DSGN10 to save you $10 at checkout. You can't stack them, but you can use either one. And uh, we're looking forward to growing our partnership with Design Tree in 2020. Matt, the Eagles won the division. They uh, they watched the Cowboys score a whole lot of points for no reason whatsoever. All in, all in vain. It was the best. 
Carson Wentz looked great. Miles Sanders, unfortunately, got injured, did not return to the game, but it was the Boston Scott Show. He wins NFC Offensive Player of the Week, which is the Eagles' first individual award of the season. Whether it's Offensive, Defensive, or Special Teams Player of the Week, comes in the final week of the season for one of our practice squad players, Boston Scott. And uh, Eagles are the four seed. They're hosting the Seattle Seahawks. You get Russell Wilson once again. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I'm i very happy that this is the matchup rather than them having to play the 49ers. 49ers, are, I think, are a, a more well-rounded team. Seahawks are very much kind of live and die by Russell Wilson. And I think if, you know, the, the 49ers defense, I think, has been kind of undervalued a lot of this year and they struggled the last few weeks of injury but yeah I think the Seahawks probably the probably the better better play for us and you know you consider that the the offense the past few weeks has started to click a little bit and it, it seems weird to say that when everyone's injured we finally start to actually put points on the board but that's that's when the way it's it's gone now and um obviously if Miles Sanders is healthy that's that's going to be big for for Sunday but this is a good matchup I I think and you know this was a, a, a close-ish game, you know, when, when they met in the regular season. I think Eagles were a little outmatched, but it's it's a one-off. It's playoffs. You're at home, which is a, a, always a big advantage. Um, and, again, I, I think if you lose, it's probably more down to Russell, Williams, brill- Russell Wilson's brilliance, not necessarily um, getting completely dominated or, or played off here. I think this is, this is a winnable game, for sure. And the the interesting thing, too, the last time these two teams played, Miles Sanders had not hit his, his stride he's on right now, and Carson Wentz was arguably playing his worst football of the season. He's hit this confidence level now where he is just off the charts, and an interesting stat from Brandon Lee Galton says, uh, Pete Carroll's record against teams the Seahawks have played twice in one season since 2016. The first game... They are 11-2-1. and In that second game, they are 4-10 and and 0-2 in the playoffs. This Seahawks team is, has let people hang around all season. They, they've, you know, they had that weird uh, first week against the Bengals. Um, you know, they've had games. The Cardinals were, you know, a little, little frisky this year and I think uh, a, a tough team to handle, but, you know, the they they struggled with them like they struggled with the Rams even at times this year like they've had games where you look at them and think okay like they're they're certainly good I, I don't want to downplay them for for any reason but at the same time they are a a gettable team and a beatable team and yeah you hear something like that and you think why not the Eagles right it, it's certainly it's certainly there for you to make it happen and it's it's weird because you would think it would be the opposite where. You face a team, and maybe you're like around 500, a little bit over, and then the second time you face them, you have better success because you know what they're going to do, and you kind of have a, a game plan for them. But to not have a single win, you know, knock on wood, against a team that you've played twice in a season, and being 0-2 against them in a you know win-or-go-home situation in the playoffs is very interesting to me. The Seahawks were so desperate that they got Marshawn Lynch to come out of retirement, he looked capable, but still, you know, he, he had 12 rushes for 34 yards, and he scored a touchdown that took him two times to get in from the one-yard line, but that's just because the Seahawks don't know how to run the ball on the one-yard line. Um, you know, I, I think this this Eagles team, as banged up as they are, it's, it's insane to think about, but they are fully capable of winning this game, and I think a lot of it comes down to the, the coaching staff. I, I have so much faith in Doug Peterson right now and just how he's been able to coach up these practice squad guys and get them to play at a high level. I think, you know, the sky's the limit. The, the injury report came out today as the Eagles. Uh, this is just an estimation because they went through a walkthrough today, and I assume that's because of how many guys are actually injured. Nelson Aguilar and Miles Sanders did not participate. The limited list consists of... Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Zach Ertz, Lane Johnson, Sidney Jones, Avante Maddox, and Jalen Mills. On paper, that doesn't look great, but it is just a walkthrough, so it's not a full-blown practice. The strangest part of this whole thing is that there are there's speculation that even with a lacerated kidney, Zach Ertz has the potential to play this week. <laughs> um... I do not want him to play this week for his long-term health. 
But it is very interesting that this continues to swirl around that Zach Ertz has the potential to be on the field come Sunday night at 440. You almost wonder if it might even be more in like a decoy role, that type of thing. Um, Even if you just get him out there for like 10 plays, uh, maybe that gets you over the line. But yeah, whenever you hear lacerated anything, um, I think uh, I I personally would not hold it against any human being for for sitting that out if you have a lacerated organ. Uh, it seems like Miles Sanders, although he did not participate in the walkthrough, is going to play. Uh, Jalen Mills fully expects to play. And I think Lane Johnson is finally going to get back out there, which is a big boost for this offensive line, especially since they lost Brandon Brooks for the season, which is such a bummer because he worked his way back from, you know, the Achilles injury, played every single snap up until the injury to a Pro Bowl level and was arguably throughout the season the Eagles best player and now he's got a, a six to nine month recovery time because he has a separated shoulder and it's just a bummer because Brandon Brooks is one of the more genuine most genuine guys not only on the Eagles but in the league and to see him go down after what he fought back from and having you know the anxiety issues come up on him again during the season um it's a bummer that he's not going to be able to go on this playoff front yeah and um you know, you even saw when he was injured during the game, you know, everyone coming over and kind of, uh, you know, wishing him well as he got carted off. And I, I think that speaks to just his his character and the character of this team as well, I think, and uh, the the close-knit group that we you, you have here. And um, obviously not great to, to lose someone like that right before a, a big playoff matchup too. So the Eagles uh, play the final game of Wild Card Weekend, which I personally like. You get to enjoy the other three games kind of figure out what's going to go down and you know don't let this team get hot because there's videos of Deshaun Jackson out there again running at full speed he's making cuts he looks healthy and if he can come back for that potential second game that the Eagles would play in uh, more than likely in San Francisco although it's weird that we have to say go Vikings this week uh, to get the Saints out of the playoffs um it would be real nice for this offense to just have Deshaun Jackson's presence alone out on that field because we saw the chemistry in game one with Carson Wentz. And I went back and I was looking at a video that I had uh, put out on Twitter and it was Deshaun when he first uh, got traded back here and he was playing Madden and he was showing the stats of Carson Wentz throwing to Deshaun Jackson. He had 12 catches in his Madden uh, game for 177 yards and three touchdowns. And you go back to week one, I believe Deshaun had was it eight catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns, which is like eerily similar to just a, a video game stat. And if they can get him back out on the field to pair with a guy like Greg Ward, who has you know, caught literally everything thrown his way, uh, hopefully have catches that actually count for Robert Davis. And then Dallas Goddard has looked fantastic. You get Miles Sanders back. Uh, and who knows what's going to happen with Zach Ertz, but all I'm saying is there's a, a wide open door in the, this NFC playoff for the Eagles, as injured as they are, to make some noise. And plus, you saw Carson Wentz in the locker room celebrating with the quarterbacks with the shirts and hats on, and uh, him knowing the words to dreams and nightmares verbatim <laughs> gave me an added shot of adrenaline and confidence in this team yeah and you know i think what's interesting too is you could have a little mini revenge tour through the playoffs um you know if you do get say you have a crack now at the seahawks if you do get a a shot at the vikings later or even the packers like you could kind of you've already beat the packers but you you could even the saints even the saints on last year on last year you know and that's kind of been this team has strangely always been a almost poetic team under uh, uh, Doug Peterson. It's always been kind of this beautiful story, or at least something really entertaining. Um, so I guess don't be shocked, yeah, if, if they do go on a run, if they face all these teams that they have some kind of history with, and and kind of slay them along the way. That would be uh, that would be fascinating. It would be absolutely on brand for Doug Peterson. Um, and you know, you think about it, and it's it's just weird. And uh, I saw a couple tweets about it. It was like, this pl- these NFC playoffs are going to end up with another rendition of Eagles-Vikings NFC Championship game. In some reality, that will happen. I would love that because the Eagles will get to host the Vikings. And I think this team wants to, you know, 
prove to any team that they face, whether it is this Seahawks team on Sunday, if they have to end up facing the Vikings or the Saints or even the Packers or the 49ers for the first time, you know, the NFL left them out of the hype video for the playoffs, which makes no sense. Like, poor poor job by you, uh, NFL social team. Uh, you left the Eagles and the Vikings out. I don't know how that even <coughs> happens. <Yeah. laughs> like, how do you miss footage for, for two teams and one of them being a division winner? Um, so poor job by the NFL there. But I think this team is, is all in on embracing that underdog mentality once again. And, you know, they opened up, oddly enough, as one-point favorites. Now they are underdogs at home. And I think the biggest test is just it's it's going to be a lot of fun watching playoff Carson Wentz finally happen. Because we haven't been able to watch that happen the last two years when the Eagles were in the playoffs. And obviously his rookie year, they missed the playoffs. So this is the first crack we get at Carson Wentz in a playoff scenario. And I'm very excited to see what he's able to do when, you know, the lights shine the brightest. Yeah, and um, I'm excited. You know that you you always want playoffs for all your teams, and just to have a shot. You listen. This team did not have a prayer a month ago. I didn't. I totally honest. I didn't give them uh, much of a chance. Really, I, I kind of expected them to slide, but they took care of business. And this team, I, I think, you know, there is that old adage of like you go into the playoffs hot, and you never know what can happen. They've won four straight. They've had to essentially play a playoff game every week for the last month, really month and a half. Um, so they've certainly had the pressure on them, and you know they've risen that challenge. And again, you know, especially when you look at their first matchup, it's not like the Seahawks have been some absolute juggernaut. They've been a good team this year, but again, certainly beatable. They, They're almost as injured as the Eagles. Injured. The, the defense hasn't been great for Seattle uh, this year either. And again, you know, with the the <laughs> Eagles clicking as they are right now. Um, you, you do have some positivity about this team, you know, at least being able to put significant points up. And then from there, you know, you you have to kind of trust your defense to make big plays, and that can certainly happen. We've seen it. We've seen it happen. And this defense plays historically better at home than they do on the road. They give up 17 points a game at home versus, I believe, it's like 10 more points, 27 or 28 on the road. So to have the home playoff game too, I think, plays a huge factor. I mean, you know, they shut down the Falcons. Uh, in their Super Bowl run, which was a very difficult thing to do. That was a very high-powered offense. And, you know, not only shut them down, but had, you know, obviously one of the most clutch plays of that playoff by, you know, a go- you know, fourth and goal and having to take care of it, and they did. Um, so it's not like this this team either. You know, I know that's two years ago now, and it's some different personnel and everything. But, you know, they've risen to the occasion when they've needed to, and I don't think the Seahawks' offense is even on that level of that Falcons team. So... You know, it's certainly doable, and I, I do have some confidence in the Eagles getting it done on Sunday. Plus, the Eagles winning the division has led to the NFC East absolutely rethinking everything they do. The Giants obviously fired Pat Shermer, but they're keeping Dave Gettleman and his four computer guys that are just four me characters because he breaks down film on a Nintendo Wii. Uh, Washington has moved on from Bruce Allen and have hired Ron Rivera. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I have a ton of respect for Ron Rivera as a coach, but it is Washington, so we'll see what goes down there. And then the Cowboys still have not made a decision with their coaching staff, which is just beautiful. Let it lag out and let this thing linger and uh, eventually bring Jason Garrett back because that's that's the right move to make. Jason deserves to stay. Uh, but the Eagles, it's, it's nice to have... Uh, a team that has security at the head coaching position and knowing that we don't have to go through this coaching carousel anytime soon. Yeah. Um, it, there'll be a lot of new faces in the, uh, the NFCs, you know, not, not with the giants though, though. The one, the one thing that's just standing, standing really strong and tall with, uh, with their, all their bad decisions. They're willing to own it. Um, I love the Cowboys taking this very long approach. It reminds me a little bit of the, the Phillies with yeah. Gabe Kapler where it's like, yeah, we'll wait like a week and a half to make a decision on this. For what reason, we don't know. Um, but yeah, well, you, you know, you kind of trust the Redskins to always mess it up no matter what. Um, and the Cowboys, you know, that is a talented team. So if they do get a, a more competent head coach, then there you go. But you know, the longer you sit on it, you know, teams are already interviewing guys, making phone calls. You know, if you're even five days, three days behind the ball on that, it could really be a difference maker for you. So, um, yeah, I think the longer they kind of sit on their hands here, that's just 
I, I don't know why you, you would even want to do that. Just make the decision and get it done. And it's not like this is, uh, you know, not been a long time coming. This is a long relationship that I think probably should have ended a long time ago. But It's the Cowboys and Jerry's going to Jerry, and we absolutely love it. A little bit of Flyers news. Obviously, they lost last night to the Kings, but uh, Travis Connecting named to the All-Star team. Very well-deserved. And uh, I saw a couple of tweets as well that said uh, the NHL needs to mic up Travis Connecting during the All-Star game. And if that doesn't happen, I will be very disappointed because <laughs> that would be absolute content gold if uh, TK is mic'd up with with the All-Stars. Yeah, I would love that very much. Too. I, I wish you could do like a... Uh... You could select which, like, player, like, everyone's mic'd up, and you get to select, like, you know, mul- one feed or multiple feeds and kind of hear guys chirp at each other. I, you know, maybe they'd be tough to, like, censor. I don't know. Um, maybe throw it on, like, Twitch or something. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that would be great. I, th- I think that'd be cool. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited and, and certainly deserves it. That or they need, like, a, a Twitter vote on who you want mic'd up, kind of just how they yeah. do, like, the, the Google voting for the NBA uh, with – picking your all-stars and stuff do do some sort of fan vote to determine who gets mic'd up and i think a lot of fans across the nhl would agree that tk deserves the uh the mic for the all-star game but congrats to tk very well deserved he's arguably been you know the best flyer this season just consistency wise and uh he's been dynamic for them and uh it's it's good to see him get recognized as the team's all-star to wrap things up though obviously new year and uh, we still have a little bit to our year before we celebrate year two. Um, but, you know, we did a lot in 2019. You know, obviously our, our big shining moment was Mike Scott coming on the podcast. And we're working on that happening again uh, very soon. So st- sit tight on that. Uh, it's going to happen for sure. We're going to make sure it does. But what do you want to see from us in 2020 as, uh, you know, we embark on a new decade of Philly sports um, just tweet at us at Underground PHI. Let us know what you want to see content-wise, either on the pod, on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be. Let us know there. Um, but as we head into a new decade, Matt, we had a couple championships, whether it was at the professional or collegiate level uh, in Philadelphia during the 2010s. In your opinion, how many championships will we see from the city of philadelphia whether it's collegiate or uh professional i think we will get three um at least three uh i think there's obviously the sixers very much in, in contending uh position um you know could even be as soon as this year started the decade off really strong um hockey's dumb and makes no sense <laughs> Um, and, you know, Flyers could absolutely stupidly make a run. There's there's no reason to believe they couldn't. They, they did it once this past decade and almost won. Um, Phillies are, you know, we kind of have to hope are building to, to be competitive at some point this decade. Um, you'd expect them to at least be like a, a playoff contending team again for, for most, if not all, of this decade forward. Um, so you'd think that they have a decent shot at it. Eagles certainly not really going away anytime soon. There's going to be, I think, an interesting rebuild, you know, and, and kind of on the fly, and we'll see how they manage that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Villanova, I think, is always going to be a, a team you can expect to, to at least be in the, in the top seeds for March Madness, and, you know, they've certainly got it done this this past decade. Um, Penn State, maybe. I know they're not necessarily a Philadelphia team, but I know they're, they're also well-loved. They're, they're certainly kind of uh, regrouping. I'm trying to think, who, who else are we? Temple Owls, baby. Temple, Temple <laughs> tough. Either, that football team is, you know, they've put together some interesting seasons, you know, but maybe a bowl game or something, it could be yeah. uh, in the future. But You got Aaron McKee running the thing for yeah. basketball as well. You never know if they'll make it back in the tournament there. Uh, obviously, Big Five basketball, like anything can happen there. And uh, you got the, the Philadelphia Wings, too. That's true. Yeah, you get the the wings to look forward to, and um, yeah, I, I think I think three is is manageable. Um, I think at least two of those are are on the the pro level. Yeah, I think we'll get one uh, very fun out of the blue Villanova run, uh, just like we did last decade, and we were fortunate to get two uh, with this, within the span of three years. Uh, like you said, I think the Eagles are going to be a perennial playoff contender, and anything happens once you get in the NFL playoffs. 
you have to hope the Phillies win at least one. We would love multiple, uh, just the way that they've kind of accelerated this this process as well. You have to hope the Phillies win multiple championships this decade because this is the the window. The 2020s is the window for the Phillies to get the thing done. The Sixers, I agree, this is also their window to to really attack and uh, go after an NBA title. And then the Flyers, you know, the way that they're moving, I think uh, there's a lot of positivity to uh, to be excited about with them to potentially make a, a run at the Cup. But I, I think three would be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna set it at four because I think we'll get three pro one way or another, and uh, we'll get some sort of villain overrun. Yeah, I would be shocked. And here's hoping it's even more than that. It's like that'd be great if it was like twelve or oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's embrace you know our our, our roaring twenties 2.0 is uh, what Boston got to experience the last decade and a half, uh, and hopefully they don't win any more championships. It would be nice for the foreseeable future, but I think that's all we got for you guys here on this New Year's Day edition of the show. As always, show brought to you by Maine Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Like I said, let us know what you want to see from us, anything new, anything you want to see changed, uh, added back. Um, there's a couple Twitter accounts that have surfaced with our name on them that uh, you should go follow. And uh, we got a lot planned, so be sure to uh, be on the lookout and follow us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI, at MattCastorina, at KBIZZL311. And uh, we will catch you guys again on Saturday. But this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 198. That close to 200 episodes of this thing. Uh, So we'll catch you guys on Saturday. But until then, for Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Happy New Year.